You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. Welcome to the Dr. Tina Show. This is part two of my two-part series with Dr. Greg Nye. If you've not listened to part one yet, I recommend starting there first. For those returning, I'm glad you're here. Let's jump in. What about exosomes? Can we talk about exosomes? Yeah, let's talk exosomes. Okay. There, I just want to share this. There's a there's a growing body of people who don't believe viruses exist and they think that they are exosomes. Have you heard this? They're, uh-huh. yeah, it's the, they don't, yeah. they're, they're exosomes that they're, they're butting out of the cell, their toxic debris that the cell is extruding and that they look just like uh, viruses under microscopes. And so therefore viruses don't exist, which I do not subscribe to that. And I have a hard time talking with those people. I've, I've dug into their arguments for it and I, I still don't, I still have a lot of, questions. <laughs> so we're talking about exosomes. Uh, how are you defining them in this paper? And what does that mean? Just I just want to clear that up with the audience. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about something yeah. different here, I think. Yeah, well, I, um, I mean, I am very familiar with the whole, you know, virus doesn't exist. And these are all exosomes. And, and I don't, I don't have the technical expertise to, to, to detail that argument out. I find it cumbersome to engage in that argument because in order to just have conversations about things, we need to use a common language. Mm-hmm. And as somebody says, don't even, you know, don't call it a virus. It's not a virus. Well, come on. We got to talk. Um, so, so what is known, it, exosomes were a very kind of intentional part of this vaccine development. So you get the shot, the immune cells freak out, macrophages pick it up, they migrate to the lymph, so people get axillary, you know, lymph node swells up. From there, it migrates to the spleen and the germinal centers in the spleen where through interferon alpha and cascade of events, B cells get activated and start cranking out antibodies. But those immune cells that have been infected, that have taken up the mRNA and producing protein, they start budding off exosomes. And those exosomes, so yes, these little lipid, you know, bubbles that come off the cell. And spike protein is inside those bubbles. Okay. But not only spike protein... What happens is exosomes are this astoundingly complex system for cells to communicate with each other, both locally and even remotely. It is this communication system that is happening completely in parallel to all the other, you know, chemical signal signaling and nervous cell, you know, nerves and yada, yada. Exosomes are like the... Um, you know, they're like the postcards that mm-hmm. their cells are sending around. And so when these cells get infected, they are creating exosomes. Spike protein is in there, keeping in mind the modified spike protein. And they are also packaging up these micro RNAs that, so there are two of them in particular. And I'm, I hope I get the numbers right. In my, MIR 148 and 192 are the two, and that's in the paper if I got it wrong, 
Um, but these, so what happens is that when cells are under stress, they send out exosomes to let other cells know what the danger is, like how to get ready for it. So these immune cells are packaging up spike protein and these two microRNAs, those particular two RNAs are inflammatory. They initiate the inflammatory process. So, and what is known now is that they will ride the um, splenic nerve ultimately to the brain, to splenic to the vagus to the brain. And this is known, this is how Parkinson's happens. Parkinson's starts in the spleen, oddly enough. And, and um, these inflammatory signals migrate from the spleen up to the brain and cause microglial inflammation. This is what we're doing with this, with these. We're, you know, these cells are now butting off the instructions for initiating inflammation. And oh, here's the spike protein that, um, you know, kind of does its own bit of damage. So yeah, that's, um, and of course those exosomes are not just, not just going, traveling along nerves to the brain, they're, they're distributed in the system, they're found in the blood. And in fact, they are, uh, they are the primary driver of, of antibody production. Because after, uh, once those exosomes come into the blood, that is what initiates antibody, antibodies or the beast, the um, immune system are seeing spike protein associated with the exosomes. That's the primary driver for that antibody formation. As the level of exosomes drops, antibody level drops, which is why then we got a boost and we got a boost. So yeah, it's um, it's a it's a an amazing system. I mean, if you would just if you get this freaking vaccine out of the way and just look at how brilliant this whole thing is put together to keep things regulated, it's just that we're this unbelievable elephant in a china shop that is that is just crashing into all of it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Can you tell the audience quickly what microglial cell activation and inflammation is so they understand? Yeah, so microglial cells are kind of support cells in the brain and and to cause them to inflame is really to say it's like you you know like you're sprain your ankle and it gets red and swollen. That's happening in around nerves in the brain. I mean not exactly like your ankle, but, but it it's is an inflammatory that inf- process. It's an inflammatory process the brain that cells. is yep. happening in the brain cells. And, um, yeah, so it can lead to all kinds, you know, headaches and brain fog and chronic know, pain. And, and chronic I mean, pain. microglial yeah. cell active. The thing about that too, is it doesn't, you know, brain inflammation or what I, you know, brain on fire is how I refer to it. It doesn't calm down very well. We don't have a great immune, we don't have immune regulation up there like we do in the rest of the body. It doesn't, things don't calm down well. And those cells become primed to fire off again readily when another noxious insult comes. So it's like, yeah, it's really not what you want. When I, I, I specialize in regenerative injection therapies and pain, and I'm a chiropractor as well. And 
when people have that central sensitization or that really wound up nervous system where they're in this chronic pain pattern, it comes from a series of that microglial cell activation over and over, sometimes hormonal, sometimes, you know, mold, toxicity, whatever, yeah. traumas. And once it's on, though, I that's a whole different beast. And that's really... That part's really concerning. <laughs> that part doesn't that doesn't calm down easily, you know. And yeah. even even through good naturopathic and holistic therapies, it's very difficult to get that system to chill out for people. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. What about immune thrombocytopenia? That's near and dear to my heart. I have ITP. I was diagnosed with it. Rick Marinelli diagnosed me with it. I don't know if you remember Rick from back. Yeah, of course. He was my mentor. Uh I worked for him as his receptionist and he diagnosed me with it in the early 90s and it just dramatically changed my life. It's for my audience. They know they've heard me say this and I said this too off camera. This is the main reason why I would oppose personally taking this vaccine because I don't feel like hemorrhaging from the inside. Um, and it was very scary giving birth to my daughter. My platelets were down in the complete toilet. They thought I was going to hemorrhage out. She was born. They thought she had bleeding on the brain. She had to have a full blood transfusion at birth, which I can't even imagine the epigenetic consequences of that on her. And so uh, this is the one thing that's like, this is when I just, uh, this is when I started crying in your paper. <laughs> yesterday. (laughs) I'd had a challenging few days anyway. And I'm reading this and I'm just like, you know, I mean, you and I talked off camera, like there's this very tiny, very sad sort of like vindication of like, hey, we were right. But it's the most awful. I I didn't know. I didn't know all the details that you described before. But like just this feeling of like, I was right. This is maybe as bad as I thought it might be. So let's talk about number 10 on the list here. You know, and just to speak to that, Briefly, one of the most common comments that people make to me, and naturopaths actually, um, but other people, but really within our profession, is is that I forget how it's worded, but basically um, they're thanking me for help them not feel crazy, and which is true. It's true. Like like everybody. So many had this feeling that things are just not right. But the messaging around it is everything is right. Everything is okay. Everything is okay. And so it, it there is a really profound cognitive dissonance that people feel about they know that something is wrong here, but not able to articulate it. So when, you know, so when people are able to read a paper like this, even though it's absolutely horrifying to read, it is at least... I knew something wasn't right here, yeah. you know? So, yeah, it is um, – that is my own – you know, doing all this research is just my own form of therapy, basically. It just, just turning a nightmare into something that's really fascinating to learn about. Well, at least understanding it, you know, and understanding these mechanisms. And there's so many different mechanisms you cover. But You guys, I have a special announcement. I am excited to invite my listeners of The Dr. Tina Show to my brand new CBD store. I've got several products inside the store to suit everyone's needs. I looked for years for a supplier that checked off all the boxes on quality, and I am happy to tell you about the products I've finally come up with. I've got two gummy products inside the store. Both are hemp extract CBD phytocannabinoid gummies, one that supports a more calm state with added L-theanine, and another to shield your immune system with ingredients like zinc and vitamin C along with the CBD. 
I've also got a high potency, truly full spectrum hemp extract oil synergized with other naturally occurring phytocannabinoids and MCT oil. This results in fantastic absorption in the gut. This oil contains several naturally occurring cannabinoids and terpenes. Terpenes are important, plus an added proprietary blend for a robust profile. It contains less than 0.3% THC. It's extracted from high quality CO2 extraction process, and it comes in both a straight oil form or a convenient soft gel, which I like to keep in my purse for on the go. I've also got an amazing topical cream that I utilize for pain. I've tried countless pain creams over the years and test drove them all on my mom. And she says this one is her absolute fave. Every product is rigorously tested and comes with a certificate of analysis that you can find on the product page on the website. So head over to drtinahemp.com and use coupon code DrTinaShow10 for 10% off your first order. That's Dr. Tina Hemp, all one word, D-R-T-Y-N-A-H-E-M-P.com and use coupon code Dr. Tina Show 10 for 10% off your first order. I can't wait to hear what you think of them. For the audience that doesn't really know what, what naturopathic doctors do is we, it's root cause medicine. We're trying to figure out why the body is out of homeostasis and what can we do to try to nudge it, not slam it. And it's different than allopathic medicine, which is sort of a pill for every ill model. Is it the easiest way I can describe it? And we do get good immunology training and we do get really great uh, just root cause systems analysis of physiology and pathophysiology and so many other sciences. But even within that group, you know, from the school, the literal school we went to, those people were also coming out and saying it was like the whole school as a group was like, this is great. Let's do it. Let's vaccinate everybody. And it's just been, I'm just sitting here in horror. Like where, where is the critical thinking? This is not the way we were trained. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. My daughter's fully vaccinated. I, I personally have not had several because I didn't feel like, I mean, I was working with needles. So, you know, everyone's like, get the hepatitis B, all that. I didn't feel a need to. I didn't want to take my chances with Guillain-Barre syndrome and whatever else with my autoimmune history. I figured I'd take my chances with getting a needle stick, to be honest with you. I trust my hands more than I trust that. But it's just, it's been really, um, it's just been heartbreaking. I don't have a better way to say it. It's been heartbreaking watching people that I love and respect in this profession just either completely turn on me for no other reason than they, I I don't know, maybe they're scared. Maybe they don't want to talk about it. Maybe they don't want to think so hard. Maybe they're bought off. I mean, it's, that's, it's been a challenge. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a, you know, I'm, I am involved in, in, on the, you know, there's a mailing list, naturopath mailing list. And I have definitely been vocal on that list with, you know, kind of offering a um, kind of a science-based rebuttal to, to you know, some people who have put out there some pro-vax stuff. Uh, and it has been quite encouraging how many then either post or even more commonly send me personal email saying, thank you so much for doing this discussion like this is what we need to see and nobody's everybody's afraid to even broach this conversation Mm -hmm. because it can't it's not able to take place civilly and 
So anyway, uh, you know, there have been a number of, you know, I've done several posts there to just kind of just, I don't know. It's like, I don't understand why our profession has lost its mind around this. It is just so, so odd. But at the same time, I would say, I think that there is a large contingent that has not lost its mind, Mm -hmm. but is simply afraid to even say that because there's such a, such a intense backlash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm glad, to, I'm glad I, don't to hear a, that. I don't have any friends, so it makes it really easy for me. <laughs> me neither. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you guys all want to hate me. That's fine. <laughs> I, I, you know, the reason I was, I, well, first off, I was so proud to see your name on this paper. I, it, uh, so Saturday was the anniversary of Rick's passing, and it was just a particularly hard day. It's been oh, nine wow, years. Yeah. It doesn't normally hit me it's that been hard. Nine years. Mm-hmm. And it, it hit me pretty hard Saturday for there was other things going on in my life. And I had a sad day. And then I was just feeling really discombobulated and lost. And I, uh, (laughs) I was going through my storage unit, which my clinic storage unit. So there was boxes and boxes of his notes and his books. And because I took over his practice, and all of my notes from school were in there all my chiropractic notes, everything was in there. And I was just, it was just a lot, you know, it was just a lot of stuff to be thinking about. And I thought to my, cause sometimes I wonder, honestly, like, what the hell am I doing with all this? Like another naturopath reached out to me and said, what's your end game? And I was like, what do you mean? What's my end game? I'm trying to help people. I'm trying to stand for the truth. I don't always know what it is, but I'm trying to find it and I'm trying to broadcast it. And I'm trying to get smart people to have conversations with me and with others and it was just such a condescending text message. Like, what's your end game? Like, you're going to get us. It Basically, he accused me saying, you're going to get all of our licenses revoked. And we're going to lose licensure in Oregon because you're such a loudmouth anti-vaxxer. And I was like, what? How? That's giving me way more credit than I power I have. <laughs> First of all, I'm like, what are you talking about? I have Instagram yeah. and an email list. Like, I'm not, right. you know. And so that was really frustrating. And then I actually got to meet, I'm on the OAMP board now, I'm on our state association yeah, board. Right. And I got, thank yeah. you. And Saturday also, I had a meeting with our executive director and I got to tell her a little bit about my story and a little bit about my history with Rick and a little bit about why I'm here and what I'm doing. And um, she's like, you're not at all what I, you know, the rumors about uh, me are not true, right? The rumor mill <laughs> is far from correct. Yeah. And yeah. my intentions are often misread. And so it was a big day. And on that day, I just, this was just this a few days ago, I decided I was going to go back to our medicine. I was like, I love naturopathic medicine. I love our medicine. That is going to be my agenda moving forward with this podcast. That is going to be my agenda moving forward with Instagram and the content that I put out in the world. I am tired of talking about this virus. I am like, it's, it's getting exhausting. I don't think this variant is anything to be terribly scared of anymore. I think we should all chill out and move on with life. And I had this really great kind of like come to terms with things. And then I think it was Monday, Jen Clemens, Dr. Jen Clemens sends me this paper. And I was like, (laughs) holy crap, it's Greg Nye. (laughs) It was just so full circle, you know, and it was anyway, it was it all came together really long story there. But that was my big day. Really proud of you for this. Uh, I'm not I mean, I'm not finished asking you questions yet. So don't I'm not letting you off that easy. But (laughs) this was just remarkable. And as I dug through it, I've had to kind of go through it in in pieces because it's pretty thick. Um, Anyway, just I'm so thankful that 
there are people out there with our training who are standing up to the narrative and asking good questions and presenting good information. It may not be what everybody wants to hear, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. Just because we've somehow come to into this world of if if I don't like what you're saying, then it's wrong. And if I'm scared, it's like such a low energetic frequency to live in fear and guilt. And that's all that I have been seeing amongst our profession for the most part. So bravo I, for well, standing up. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I, you know, it's odd. I, I, uh, I somehow, I don't know how I'm flying under the radar of things, but no, I don't have, I don't think I've had anyone challenge me about what I think about vaccinations. Like I can't recall a single person who's ever, who's ever challenged. I mean, I hear it happen. I mean, I, I have lots of colleagues who have told me about their experience in that way. But I, I mean, I don't know, maybe I just, I don't know how it's happened, but I'm like. Because your argument holds weight. You've got the, you've got the knowledge bomb behind it to, to counter, you know, these are just, these are just, I mean, I'm, I'm getting trashed on Facebook and getting the text and getting screenshots of it, right? I'm getting, people are trashing me without saying my name or without. Really? actually coming Maybe. to my face. They're not coming to my face to trash me. They're just doing it in a low vibrational way. But, you know, when you've got this, it's like, I want to like roll this up and start smacking people in the head. With it. <laughs> <laughs> like if you were smart enough to understand this, you would read it and you would realize that we have an argument for our concerns. Right. Yeah. And it's simply concerns. I have no problem. If people want to go vaccinate themselves, go for it. Whatever makes them feel safe. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Not, yeah. don't care either way, but know what you're dealing with, right? right? And we haven't been able, we have not been allowed to have these conversations to find out what we're dealing with. Yeah. So. Yeah. And this paper, and just to point out again, the prior paper, um, which I will, I'll send you a link and maybe that can get I think associated I saw, with this I as must well. have seen it. Yeah. I'll make sure the audience um, gets a link. But that, that one, it's a. It's definitely more accessible. It kind of goes over a whole different set of nightmares than this current one. Um, but it, I think it's, I mean, I know it isn't light reading either, but it's a little easier to get into than this one. This one, it really is quite technical in, in some places. Yeah, but I, I like it. it it's, it's, it scratches the itch. <laughs> My little nerd <laughs> brain is like, yeah, right. I know. <laughs> okay, yeah. so let's talk about thrombocytopenia because we to- I totally got us off to- topic. I'm sorry. So immune, yeah. immune thrombocytopenia is for the audience, it's an autoimmune disorder where your body builds antibodies against your platelets. So you you cannot clot very well, but also in my practice, I did a lot of PRP and platelet-rich plasma. Platelets have a whole host of growth factors and important mechanisms that keep us well and healthy and healing. Um, so I'll leave it at that and let you run. Yeah, platelets are shockingly complex structures for being so freaking simple, you know? Like, it really is astounding how much is... Um, orchestrated by platelets and it's essentially that is all of biology like everything as you zoom in everything it's like that um it's called the mandelbrot set you know like when you the more you zoom in this whole new thing and then you zoom in more and it just it's like it it just infinite layers of complexity and everything that we're everything about biology um so with um Immune thrombocytopenia, 
And I don't, you know, I probably not able to talk too deeply into this. Stephanie really did all the, she really has spent most of the work on this one. But at the most basic level, it is, it is considered an autoimmune process and spike protein because of the way that it is going to be interacting with um, the kind of IgG antibodies that it is making and, um, and it's complexing, though they're complexing with PF4, platelet factor four, which is all part of the, you know, that's part of the immune complex that happens with the, you know, with uh, the depletion that it is, it is hypothesized that we would be driving that process forward with the kind of IgGs that are getting created in response to that spike provocation, which of course we saw it with infection because it would also be producing the same thing. But now we would, there is good reason to think that we would also be driving that forward through vaccination because we're just, we keep pumping up these level of IgGs that are potentially forming that same, same kind of immune complex. So platelets would be uniquely targeted in that way. Mm. So we are potentially, through these injections, inducing ITP. That's Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's scary stuff. Yeah, it is, uh, it is just the audacity of just bringing uh, this into a mass use without really kind of without really understanding all of these potential outcomes is it's just shocking it's just it's incredible yeah it was just roll it out and everybody line up and if you don't line up then you're you're a bad person and you're gonna you know you should be locked away it's been really interesting i i think that people are starting to wake up but i also think that some people are just extreme rule followers and i am not a rule follower i don't like being told what to do <laughs> in fact when people tell me what yeah. to do i'm like mm. <laughs> let me ponder that now that you're forcing me to do it i really yeah. don't trust you and i've always been that way i've always questioned everything and i think that some people are extreme rule followers and they're just pissed now because they followed the rules and they just assume that we should too because they did and so you know, to hell with us because we're not following the rules. Even if they're smelling, even if it smells off to them now, they're starting to wake up and like, mm, I don't know if I made the right decision. I don't know if this was the right thing to be doing uh, because it doesn't stop transmission. Can you speak to that a little bit? The whole, this is really the crux of my argument against mandates. It does not stop transmission. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it. the two things, I mean, really, we should be calling this a treatment. Yes. Not a vaccination, because it, the argument in favor is that it reduces severity. And it does seem to do that. It does seem like there's evidence that it, it reduces severity. Mm -hmm. But it people that are vaccinated have identical viral load to people who are unvaccinated, who, who become infected. Um, and as you just said, I mean, because they have viral load that's just as high, Vaccinated people can transmit, and that's why these vaccinated people are still told they need to be wearing masks. Like, it's, um, I mean, it's an insane world that you can't, 
like the vaccinated people are no different than unvaccinated people, except that they can go into movie theaters and bars and like, that's it. Uh, other than the social allowances, the vaccination has done really nothing to to change the dynamics of the spread. And in fact, a good argument can be made, and we made it in the first paper, uh, and other, others have made it as well, that vaccination is driving variants. Mm -hmm. And that is, I mean, I think that's quite apparent. Um, but the argument cannot be made that we're vaccinating to protect anyone else. Vaccination is a purely selfish act. It is so that I don't get as sick if I become ill, but it is, it's certainly not stopping the spread of anything. I mean, there are, it is crystal clear with population studies now uh, that, you know, some of the, the most vaccinated locations in the world are still having outbreaks of, of COVID. And so, you know, it's, it, it's like, yeah, it's like the facts are now happening independent of what is like public policy or what is being told around what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. They're not even related anymore, um, which is maddening in and of itself. Maddening is the key word here. <laughs> yeah. If I stop and linger on it too long, I just, that's why I don't want to talk about it that much anymore because I, it makes me yeah. crazy. I'm reading a study that's showing me negative vaccine efficacy, potentially mm -hmm. potentiating infection rates. Yeah. And over here, I'm listening to intelligent doctors say, do it for the greater good. And I'm like, what world <laughs> am I in? What I, know. I have data, like it's here. And then you present data to people and they call you an ableist or uh, white yeah. supremacist, or I mean, I've been called all <laughs> right. the things I've been called. And I'm just like, yeah. so completely confused because there's data. There's, I, I just read a really interesting article I'll send to you and I'll, I'll post it in the show notes. It's, it's one person's interpretation. They just took the, uh, those releases that are coming out of the UK every week they send out the, yeah. or every month, uh -huh. I should say they send out the report and they're just looking at the data in real time showing negative vaccine efficacy all the yeah. way into like yeah, hundred negative 150%, you know I mean? Just yeah. really just looking at the data and, and watching people completely ignore it. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's I, it's happening right in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not alone in my thoughts. That makes me very happy. Okay, cool. Well, is there anything else about the paper that you want to cover while I got you here that you thought was really stand out? Um, well, no. You know, I think, um, I mean, there a decent amount is written about activation of latent viral infections, which I think is... That's a real thing. And again, it comes back to suppression of interferon alpha, which, I mean, if you suppress that, then the viruses that have been hanging out and not doing anything are going to start dancing because nothing is stopping them. And so, you know, herpes virus infection and um, Bell's palsy and like all these and even hepatitis and some others are... Yes, it's a real thing. It is becoming more active. I've had patients who their Epstein-Barr virus titers just skyrocket. And it happened not long after vaccinations. 
Yeah, yeah, it's not causal, I know, but but it makes sense. Like we can we can certainly come up with a set of circumstantial evidence that would explain why that would happen. Absolutely. What do you th- uh, and again, this is I understand this is speculation, but as somebody who specializes in um in helping with oncology, what what does that mean for oncoviruses? You know, that people are yeah. You know, know. like what that's what it? I keep thinking about is like what, cause I mean, that's what Rick died of, right? He, he died of HPV uh, virus in the throat. And it's just like, what about these oncoviruses that we're all potentially walking around with low grades of that our immune systems are keeping in check? And what does that mean for those who are getting vaccinated and, and losing this ability to have your immune system work properly? Do we know anything about how long these spike protein production systems last? We have no idea if this turns off or when it turns off. Nope. No, no idea. They have designed it um, so that it never does. But I mean, obviously at some point cells turn over and things won't continue. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's opening a whole can of worms, but there is good reason to think that this RNA could reasonably get transcribed and and make its way into DNA. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. Um, yep. That's a real and, possibility. And uh, to take it even one level more terrifying, um, uh, there's a researcher, Ted Steele, who has really, he wrote, uh, he's done some amazing work in immunology and how our immune system, uh, I'm just really incredible. He, that, you know, when our immune system tries to find an antibody that will match the target, the genes that are making those antibodies are constantly, rapidly, just randomly mutating, constantly, to see if they can build something that fits that. And when they do, that feeds back to the cell to say, that one you just made, that worked great. Then, so that then becomes the the gene that gets put into the memory cells so that in the future, they can make that one. What Ted Steele figured out is that that gene gets reverse transcribed over into an element called a retrotransposon. That element, as now RNA, goes to the germ cells. In the germ cell, it will again transcribe itself back over into DNA and insert into the germ cell DNA so that offspring come into the world with antibodies that are more targeted. It is total Lamarck. It's not Darwinian. This is, this is adaptive evolution. We meet a target. Our our immune system learns how to deal with that target that gets transcribed and put into germ cells so that the next generation inherits that. So I asked Ted if this RNA because it's been shown, there's a paper by Zhang 
this whole team, Zhang and a whole bunch of other people, which is a very reputable team, uh, they showed that the RNA does get transcribed over into cellular DNA. So I asked him, do you think that mechanism that you figured out in that book, would that apply here? And he said, absolutely. There's every reason to think that it would. So now we're, I mean, we're talking about this injected RNA potentially getting incorporated into germ cells and having a generation of kids that will have that as part of their DNA, making a protein that is inherently toxic and inflammatory. I mean, it is sort of mind boggling to think like, what in the hell are we doing? But uh, yeah, anyway. That's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kept I, I kept asking around. I'm like, can't this, isn't there reverse transcriptase? Can't this affect DNA? And people are like, oh, no, no, no. And I, I just, I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not an immunologist, but I remember sitting in immunology. <laughs> Yeah. I remember yeah. studying genetics and I'm like, I don't think we could definitely say no to some of these concerns. So Yeah, I know. Wow. Okay. Well this yeah. is this is epic, Greg. I think we should leave it at that and we can come back and do it. <laughs> maybe we should do an episode two about your first paper since that's a little more um like you said, it's I I'll make sure to post the link to that so people can dig into that for those who want to read it. Sure. Oh, such an honor to have you on here. Thank you so much for your excellent no, explanations of all this. Really appreciate the opportunity. And I mean, of course, we're just trying to get the word out. And it's, I mean, I'll have to say the paper has already had over 100,000 reads on it now. So it's really, and that just posted last Friday. So it's really getting some good traffic. So that's encouraging. That's epic. I will make sure to post a link to it so people can have this. Also, I want to take note that the references in here are excellent. So for people looking, that's my favorite way to get information personally is to always go to the references of papers that I like. And it's it's really, really dense here. I mean, this is basically like a small book, we should call it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> a, it was quite a project. Yeah. How long did this take you? Uh, I had... Uh... I had contacted Stephanie and asked her that question about an article that was in early October. Oh, wow. So you've been, yeah. you've been busy along with clinical practice. Speaking of where can people find you if they oh. want, if they want to check out your MeWe or also your oh, clinic. Yeah. So com is the clinic. Um, on MeWe, which is just MeWe.com. You know, and it's just another social media thing. They don't collect any information. There's no advertising. It's all, it's like Facebook without the evil. Um, <laughs> but so once you get signed up on MeWe, if you just, there on MeWe, there are pages. So I have a page where I post all my COVID stuff. So if you just search for Dr. Greg Nye, you'll come, you'll find my page and just follow me. Awesome. Okay. I'll make yeah. sure to find it and put it in the show notes too. So people can awesome. link to it. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you again so much for your time on this and your wonderful yeah, Absolutely. I appreciate the invite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's connect soon and let's have you back. We'll talk some more uh, as things unfold and I, I, I wish you the best. Great. Thanks a lot, Tina. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina show. 
Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A, and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.